Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Gary and Shannon, and you're listening to KFI AM 640, the Gary and Shannon Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. The number of missing people in the deadly Maui wildfires is expected to drop in the double digits, into the double digits, I should say. The governor, Josh Green, said a big update is coming today. Steve Gregory has been on this story from the beginning and joins us now. Steve, what's going on? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, there was a time when they estimated 2,000 people were unaccounted for. 2,000. Then it dropped significantly to 1,000. Then it dropped to 800. Then it dropped to somewhere near 500 to 800. And a lot of that was because people had been checking in and coming out of the if the, of the hills, if you will, because a lot of people fled up to the hills and, and sought shelter. And so uh, they would come out and check in and then come to find out it was starting to drop a little bit more. But there are still a number of people out there unaccounted for. The search is completely over on land in the Lahaina area, 100% completion. All of the USAR, urban search and rescue dog teams have all gone back to their respective states. And now it's a water search. And the chief of the Maui police, or excuse me, the Maui fire department said that they have completed at least 50% of their search off the shore of Lahaina in that west area of the western shoreline of Maui. And they've been going down to depths of 30 feet. Now they have recovered a number of cell phones and other personal belongings from the water, but no bodies. Um, that's the absolute latest. Uh, the number of dead is still confirmed at 115 and they, they're identifying like one person about every day or so, um, positively IDing them because that is a very laborious process and only works if a loved one or a, a family or friend member comes forward and gives them information and the familial DNA plays a role in that. So that's the latest on the number side. Uh, and that's great news. There is still, but like you said, even with, if the numbers that are announced today go down into the double digits, that's still a lot of people that are unaccounted. Sure. And I, the thing that I would like to ask is if, you know, why was that number so inflated before? Was it an estimate based on what? And did that many people truly check in? Or was that just a, a, just a guess, a wild guess? I mean, I, those are questions I'd like to ask. And then how did they really narrow it down to such a, a small number now? I mean, if, if they've searched 100% of the ground area and they really haven't found any more, you know, human remains... Um, then, you know, you got to wonder where did everyone go? Well, and one of the big questions that's been floated uh, in to uh, Mayor Bisson himself is where are the kids? There was a suggestion early on that a lot of the missing and unaccounted for were going to be children because school had been closed and the chances are that they were trapped in their homes. Right. I can't then justify that those gigantic numbers so many of them could have been children to now we're down to double digits it seems like there should be a giant sigh of relief that it wasn't a bunch of kids but right and they've never said that they've never said all the kids are accounted for the families are accounted for that's so that kind of hangs in the balance but last night mayor bisson did his first sort of state of the city or state of the county address because he's the mayor of the county 
And um, this is a longer uh, cut, but it is a portion of his 13-minute speech last night. It was only 13 minutes, just him in front of a camera, no Q&A. And this is um, a portion of that speech. But I do want to clear up misinformation and misunderstandings about what occurred in the early days of this disaster. There has been a heightened interest in what my team and I were involved in. Due to the impending weather report, we held a meeting in the EOC on Monday, August 7th, and it was decided by MEMA that we should go to partial activation starting at 9 p.m. that evening. Two MEMA staff were staying at the EOC until the next day. I was alerted by Maui Emergency Management Agency staff in the early hours of Tuesday, August 8th, that a wildfire was occurring in the upcountry area. operating center at around 6.30 a.m. I was aware that Herman Andaya, who at the time served as the administrator of the county's emergency management agency, was on Oahu attending a scheduled emergency management meeting or conference with officials of Haima. I was also aware that Herman was in touch with his staff who were in the county's emergency operating center and that a plans and operations officer within an incident command structure was present from MEMA. Members of my team were also present in the EOC. The early hours of the disaster unfolded with our emergency responders facing conditions that were made extraordinarily difficult with high wind, falling debris, including utility poles, and a rapidly advancing wildfire. Updates from our police and firefighters were provided by radios carried by personnel dispatched to the EOC from the police and fire departments. I and key members of my staff, the managing director, chief of staff, and chief of communications and public affairs remained at the EOC, some until the next morning. The severe gravity of the impact was not clear in the initial hours as our firefighters and police on the ground placed all of their efforts and actions toward helping people in the affected areas. As the evening of the first day came, the horrific effects of the wildfire in Lahaina became apparent. At that time, the degree and magnitude was still unknown as the situation unfolded. So I, I think it he's pointing to something there that is not an uh, it's not a knock on anybody. He said the severe gravity of the impact was not clear in the initial hours. And he referred to the fact that before that, he referred to the fact that first responders did have radio communications and they were talking to the emergency operations command or the EOC, but that their efforts were not on communication necessarily about how bad the conditions were, their their efforts were on saving lives. Right? Uh, Jane Wells wrote a column for Substack, and Steve, I saw your tweet about it yesterday, and she brings up a system that would have saved lives and why it's not in place. Why we're relying on 1940s technology when it comes to sirens is as asinine. The the rejoiner Jake that Jake played was. Uh, careless whisper yeah careless whisper who played the saxophone on that clarence clemens no steve gregory are you serious what oh 
Okay. Steve Gregory, famous sax well, player. Well, that's not your real name, no. so. It, it is. I'm a famous sax player. Wow. It was my you're, you're something, Got Steve. It. Yeah, well, sorry. Steve I thought that was funny when I heard uh, that. Because it came up on the Wham! documentary on Netflix. And people were wondering who the sax player was. I, it started trending because my name got thrown into this. Do you remember how you didn't so care? You, you about even made the, the Wham! documentary about it yourself? It started coming in. I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I just was like, how, why are people asking me that by name? Lord. I just thought it was funny. Okay. Okay. Um, we are, we're talking about Maui. And, and Shannon brought something up. Um, Jane Wells had written a, uh, a piece in her Substack article about a, a warning system. You mentioned that the mayor of Maui, Richard Bisson, in his statement did not talk about sirens, they, did not talk about warnings. They said that they didn't sound the alarms because they were afraid people might think there was a tsunami coming and they would head away from the water and go into the fire. Um, and as Jane writes, this could have been prevented by an alert system that is from a company based in San Diego called Genesis. And these these speakers actually speak. A loud, clear voice tells people what's happening and what to do, whether it's a fire to evacuate, uh, head away from a tsunami, shelter in place because of an active shooter. And the CEO said using sirens that were used in 1940 and 2023, just insane. Well, in the other issue is that Maui Emergency Management Agency, NEMA, already had a siren protocol in place. They would uh, activate the sirens at different tones, at different paces, and that would signify different emergencies, including wildfire. It says it right there in their own ops manual. What I love about this system, too, is um, it has batteries. Yeah, and, and solar. some have solar. Yeah. So even if the power went out and mm -hmm. the cell's down. Well, and another big problem with the infrastructure there, too, that was really evident here is that they are still using very old wooden poles for their utilities. And those poles were just snapping like branches. And it was that's a lot of lessons learned are going to be coming out of this for sure. But I did want to play for you the last 50 seconds of Mayor Bisson's speech last night because he brings up some interesting points. I want to assure you that we all champion our community's interests, our historical significance, and our cultural heritage. We will be tested as others try to divide us and even turn us against each other. However, we can be steadfast in working together. And in this time of Onipa'a and Lokahi, our strength is our care and our compassion for one another. So I say to you, let Aloha Kekahi Kekahi guide us through this moment in our history as proud people of Maui. Mahalo and Malamapono. Um. There will be a lot of scrutiny on this. There already is. But I thought this was an interesting speech from him, uh, his first sort of personal address to the city without the governor around and without all the officials standing behind him. This was his personal message to the people of Maui. And I just I found it very interesting. Um, a lot of finger pointing going on, obviously, behind the scenes. He, he mentions Herman and Daya in the beginning of the speech, but he doesn't really throw him under the bus. In fact, he kind of defends his actions. Um, and don't, let's not forget that Andaya was Bisson's former chief of staff. Um, so it was, uh, you know, it's interesting how they're going to circle the wagons on this one. And then Hawaiian Electric, that's going to be a massive lawsuit that could cripple that utility. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen huge utilities go through the same issue. I mean, PG&E has obviously was found guilty of murder mm -hmm. uh, in the Paradise Fire several years ago. So, And the um, same attorney that's repping... 
Maui County is uh, repping Paradise City. Paradise is repping Maui County. Yeah. All right. So, Thanks, Steve. You got it, guys. Emergency teams have finished searching that uh, apartment building in Johannesburg after one of South Africa's deadliest fires broke out there. Pathologists now have to go through and identify the bodies and the parts that were transported to several mortuaries. The death toll in that fire rose to 76. They said two people died in the hospital overnight. At least 12 of the victims were described as children. Uh, a bunch of homeless people, apparently, and poor foreign migrants were squatting in this area, uh, in this building, I should say, that otherwise was abandoned. They said that the number of injured people hospitalized from the fire increased to 88, if you can believe that already. Ruby Frank, once a familiar face on the Eight Passengers channel. She was a popular mom influencer offering parenting advice on Instagram and this YouTube channel, Eight Passengers. And now she's been arrested and charged with two counts of aggravated child abuse. This is a kind of a weird story. This Okay, so first of all, this woman um, would... Just put up these videos. She called herself a mental fitness trainer. At one point, she was doing videos of her family five days a week. She and an engineering professor at BYU, her husband, and their kids, Sherry, Chad, Abby, Julie, Russell, and Eve. There really is something to doth protest too much, right? The mom that goes on YouTube to tell other people how to parent. The, the husband who writes a paragraph about his wife on their anniversary on Instagram. There's something weird about people <laughs> right. who are a little bit too forward with whatever they're doing. Um, they would discuss parenting strategies, what books she was allowing her kids to read. They're apparently very strict Mormons. Uh, they would share scenes from their daily life, the family dinners, prepping meals, driving kids around, stuff like Not that. Not much meal prep and dinners when you think about what condition the kid was in. A uh, 12-year-old apparently had to crawl out of a house at one point, and the report came in to dispatch at Santa Clara Ivan's Public Safety Department back on uh, well, two days ago now, the 30th. A report came into our dispatch center regarding a juvenile asking for help. The calling party stated the juvenile appeared to be emaciated and malnourished with open wounds and duct tape around the extremities. The ju juvenile was asking for food and water. After they got a search warrant for the house, four kids were taken into care of Department of Children and Family Services. Ruby and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, were then arrested in connection with the incident. Due to the sensitive nature of the case, no additional information is going to be released. Two, two of the kids were in such a physical condition of malnourishment. They were taken by local EMTs to the hospital for treatment immediately. Um. The oldest daughter, Sherry, wrote in an Instagram story post, Today has been a big day. Me and my family are so glad justice is being served. We've been trying to tell people and CPS for years about this and so glad they finally decided to step up. Wow. Uh, there was one video it showed uh, she was laughing about the fact that her, one of her sons was describing that he was sleeping on a beanbag. My bedroom was taken away for seven months and then you give it back like a couple weeks ago. I don't think our viewers know that. You've been sleeping on a beanbag. I've been sleeping on a beanbag. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Jody Hildebrandt, this, uh, this business partner, said to be a counselor and founder of something called Connections with a big X in it, a life coaching firm. Uh, and a YouTube channel that Ruby had been uh, has been working with as a mental health coach. 
They've appeared together in videos recently, uh, as recently as this week, on the Connections social media accounts. They've advertised parenting classes together. But a few years ago, Jody Hildebrandt was put on probation and nearly lost her license while working as a pornography addiction therapist after she discussed a patient publicly without his permission. What a mess. It's all around. Not a, not a, not a couple of winners, it sounds like. Well, um, the Taylor Swift era's tour film has already earned $26 million. This is brilliant. uh, Pre-sales. You know, it's in line with her brand of making her accessible for everyone. Uh, You know, that's why it was such a big deal when there was a ticket mishap when they went on sale, the pre-sale for the the tour. And, uh, you know, a lot of people cannot afford to go see Taylor Swift. The resale market alone was bananas. Uh, so this is a way everyone can enjoy that tour. And, and I'm assuming... And have a nice front row seat about it. They said that this will play at least four showtimes per day, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, at every AMC theater in the United States. Um, AMC's already adding additional showtimes to increase capacity where it's necessary and available. And I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of other concert uh, movies like this, even artists that I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, watch to go see the concert so i'm i'm a little curious about this one you know me being a swifty and all i think you're gonna go see this i i could i'm not opposed to it okay but i'm not planning on it and i'm definitely not buying a pre-sale ticket i just think that it would be you and a theater full of girls it sounds like fun it sounds, sounds like, like a, a felony yeah like <laughs> you know i mean not that anything oh i know exactly what you're saying Beyonce uh, is going to be at SoFi tonight, tomorrow, and Monday. This is one I would really like to go see. Um, Metro is not providing special transportation services for uh, Beyonce fans as it did for Taylor Swift fans. Mm. Um, so, And it's going to be Labor Day, so Labor Day weekend. <laughs> 50 Cent also got in trouble because he threw a microphone at somebody. Well, you know how it's it feels when you're, you know, in the middle of your craft and suddenly there's a technical issue. Your microphone, you, your microphone goes dead or yeah. something happens. Microphone not on. Microphone not on. Headphones not on. Yeah. And uh, you get upset. But I don't throw things. I bet Steve Gregory would throw his microphone if it stopped working. Jacob, have you ever seen Steve throw his microphone when you screw something up technologically? He's very irascible. Well, he's never thrown it at me. Right. Well, and in this case, I don't think 50 Cent was throwing it necessarily at anybody. If anything, it looked like he was going to throw it at the the uh, stage monitor, the, the speaker that was there. He just missed uh, and hit a woman square in the forehead with mm. a pretty heavy microphone. I mean, it's, I don't know, how, it's a, at least a pound probably, right? And if you're throwing, that's five or six baseballs worths of weight going straight at someone's noodle. Noodle, and we know her too. She used to work here on the street team. We should get her on the air. She works for a different radio station now. I know, but it's all in the family, isn't it? No. Oh, it's not in the family. Yeah. Oh, got it. (laughs) Uh, Pac 12 (laughs) continues to go the way of the dodo. Stanford and Cal will become members of the ACC, you know, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Next year. Geography means nothing in college football. Not anymore, Not anymore. definitely. They have, uh, along with Southern Methodist University, allowed in by a vote of the ACC chancellors and presidents today. So the Big Ten is going to pick up USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. The Big- Power Five is down to the Power Four. <laughs> the Big 12 is going to get Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. 
the only two schools still committed to play in the Pac-12, Pac-2 next year, Oregon State and Washington State. That's all. This is all, this is entirely driven by money. They say they want to rebuild the Pac-12. Okay. With, with what? With what? Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to cannibalize the Mountain West. I mean, you'd have to get the Boise States, the Fresno State, San Diego State, places like that. But rebuilding it with schools that are uh, the smaller anyway, you're going to have less, what's the, less of a high profile when you're playing these different sports. I mean, San Diego State, for example, is, doesn't, is never going to have the draw nationally that a UCLA or USC would have. So I don't know what they do. It's going to be Duke, Wake Forest, Boston College, North Carolina, Virginia, and now uh, Stanford <laughs> and Cal and SMU. It's funny because they said that uh, ACC had been weighing for more than three weeks. Ha has been how much of the new money from the ESPN deal they get for three more members will go into the performance bonus pool. How much would be shared equally among the existing members? Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, North Carolina State were uh, opposed to the expansion uh, when they chose not to vote three weeks ago on adding the three, three schools. So a couple of North Carolina trustees said that they were still opposed to the expansion plan. But uh, again, Stanford and Cal, the latest two schools to leave the Pac-12. You've been listening to The Gary and Shannon Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Monday through Friday and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.